Welcome, or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched my attention to Major League Baseball ga- Major League games this year, but player development happens at that level as well, until it no longer does. If you have any questions about this episode, Cubs development, or anything else in that general range, fire away at on the contest line at Tim815 on Twitter or on my Facebook group, Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. There we go. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode. The draft isn't that intimidating. And ask me questions if I'm confusing. We spend our time where it's valued, and I don't want to waste yours. While I was doing my last podcast, which was about 10 minutes ago, I was talking about how my eyes were getting a little bit blurry because it's later than it probably should be when I'm doing a podcast as I look at the at the clock and it tells me what time it is. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably why I'm kind of tired. But um, in my last podcast, I got halfway through something and realized, you know what, this needs to be a podcast and I really don't want to wait four weeks to do it, I probably better go into the kitchen, grab something to drink, stretch the legs a little bit, and get right back over here and do another podcast, because the topic that I started to get into was worthy of a podcast, and it's going to take, it was going to take more than just three minutes to shoehorn it into the last podcast. It's going to involve a parallel universe kind of a thing. And what I'm eventually going to get to is talking about the minor league draft. the Well, the June draft in baseball. And the best way to follow the June draft is to start somewhere. Which sounds really stupid. What do you mean start somewhere? What we want to do is walk in to a new topic and immediately be an expert. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to go off on a tangent along those lines, but eventually, after my midpoint, I'll get back and talk about how the June draft is something important and it appears intimidating but it shouldn't be as intimidating as it looks the draft is important and if you can shoehorn five or ten minutes a week for a topic of your choosing you can get a lot better at discussing baseball. And for a lot of us, that should be a good thing. The saying is, to become any sort of an expert in any topic, you need 10,000 hours. And frankly, for a lot of us, 10,000 hours is kind of a lot. 
you can do the mathematics however you want. You can say, well, you can do that for two hours a day, for five days a week, and and stretch it out. 10,000 hours is a long time. 10,000 hours is a long time. And it's going to take 10,000 hours to be really conversant in any topic, regardless what the topic is, whether it's tax law or um, accurate information on COVID-19, any topic, um, anything on basic uh, environmental topics. It's going to take a lot of time a lot of research, a lot of listening to a whole lot of people who are a lot smarter than you are, some of whom you agree with and some of whom you disagree with. And I'm running right into that myself in one of my sidelights right now. Now, if you know me from way back when, or if you actually know me as, you know, off of the, when I'm talking about baseball, there are certain things that I really consider important. Now, a lot of the things that I used to consider important, I no longer do, and some things fade in and out. There have been years when baseball wasn't very important to me, but things fade in and out. But one of the things that has bothered me since the mid-80s, has been, and this has nothing to do with baseball, has nothing to do with baseball, but it will help bridge me back to the topic later, the assassination of John F. Kennedy in November of 1963. There are a number of different ways to look at what happened then. The official stance is the official stance. And people who believe in that strongly believe in that strongly. And people who believe that, well, you know what, there's there's kind of some holes there. They believe in that strongly as well. And I tend to be on the side of, for a couple different reasons, I really don't think it was possible for the official story to be accurate. Plenty of reasons for that. If you want to talk about it off topic, I'd love to, but uh, this is not a um, JFK assassination crossover episode. I'm using this to get a point across. I'm starting to realize as I get back into the entire topic, there are a whole lot of people who know a whole lot more about the recent information, stuff that's come up in the last 10 or 15 years, than I do a whole lot more. And back when I was at my peak back a while ago, I wasn't really that good at it then. So if you're going to talk about the 10,000 hours, I'm probably at 200. So if I decide I want to be an expert on the topic, I'd have to do a whole lot of homework. 
And I'm kind of willing to do some of the homework as far as when people have done their research, I'm willing to listen to them. And I think that if you listen to people who are smart about certain things and have done their research, then you get to an extent along the lines of knowing what they know. Now, I'm not going to claim that I, I, I don't, I haven't done the fill out Freedom of Information Acts and take home things and research documents that used to be uh, blotted out. And no, I'm not doing that yet. Probably I should, but I'm listening to some people who do. And I'm starting to realize that to get good enough at discussing some of the important topics, and boy, there are quite a few. If you've ever done any research on, for instance, Oswald's trip to Mexico City, interesting stuff, in part because nobody can give you a straight answer. It's really kind of amusing. And if you're going to be conversant in the topic, there's the Mexico City trip, there's the ballistic evidence, there are the hordes of people who were called to interview in any of the five, six, seven different um, committees or subcommittees or commissions that have looked into the assassination. There's a whole bed of knowledge out there. And before anyone is going to be able to claim they're an expert on the topic, they really have to be conversant in a whole lot of different angles. So if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to have opinions on this all of my own, you really have to do a whole lot of research on a whole bunch of different stuff. And realistically, that's probably more than a lot of people are going to want to do. So because there's so much information and so much of it is entirely new information, when you look up a bunch of names that you're not familiar with. When I hear a name that I, I'm not familiar with and I, don't and I can't look the name up on, for instance, base baseball reference, I'm kind of lost. So I hear this name, it's like, wow, I've never heard this name before. And so I try to keep it in the memory bank. And then the next time somebody mentions it, wait a minute, did I hear that name once before? I think I heard that name once before. Then the one who I hear it the sixth time, like, yeah, I've heard that name. Okay, is that the person who, and then by the time I've heard it the 10th time, yeah, that's that person that, and eventually, if you hear things enough, the spaces start to get filled in. In that topic there, the Kennedy assassination, there's a whole lot of names in a whole bunch of different angles, and it's a whole lot of work if you want to become an expert. I don't necessarily want to become an expert, but I do want to know better what happened, and that way I can make, make a case better. Okay, now, how does that relate to the June draft? I will tell you in a moment. Why is this upside down? It is upside down. I can't accurately emphasize enough how much I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. If you have to, yeah, 
Wow, let's try this again. I can't accurately emphasize enough how much I appreciate you listening to my podcasts. When I write a new script, it takes me a while to be able to get the timing down. I can't accurately emphasize enough how much I appreciate you listening to my podcasts. If you want to ensure that they keep churning, consider sharing the uh, consider sharing the podcast with a like-minded Cubs fan friend or consider sponsoring my efforts. While either would be greatly appreciated, you continuing to listen is very important as well. Okay, so now back to the topic at hand. When people consider the June draft, they realize rather quickly, if they're even observant at all, there are going to be 20 rounds, 30 teams, that says 600 guys are going to get drafted. A lot of people are going to listen to, okay, now here, uh, I take, bring out the chart, um, press uh, times five, carry the two. Um, people are going to listen to no baseball games from college next year. None. Not a one. And watching them, they might watch a couple innings of two or three games if there's nothing else going on and they happen to be watching a baseball game and that's what's on. People, a lot of times, won't commit to, I want to understand college baseball. Because they think it's important for them to have to be an expert. They need to get in their 10,000 hours so they can totally accurately explain who's the ace pitcher at USC, both Southern Cal and South Carolina, and they have to have answers for all this. No, no, that's not the goal, or it should, shouldn't be. College baseball is somewhat different than Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is significantly different from Minor League Baseball, and Minor League Baseball is very different from college. In Minor League Baseball, the entire goal, entire goal, is to develop players. In Major League Baseball, it's about winning. In college, it's about winning. So if you're going to decide if minor league baseball is more for you or college baseball is more for you? Are you more interested in your team winning games or in players getting developed? Now, I love minor league baseball because if my team loses seven to five when the other team scores six runs in the ninth off of a guy that probably really shouldn't have been pitching because he's really not qualified to be pitching at this level, but it was his turn. If that happens in a major league game, you're crushed. You're crushed for weeks. Oh my goodness, that game that we lost. Uh, like the game when the Cubs had, were celebrating their 100th anniversary at Wrigley Field. I seem to remember the game was against Colorado, and the Cubs were ahead in the 8th by... Oh, I don't know, three runs, and then the bullpen came in and kind of gave up a bunch of the lead, and then the 
Closer came in in the ninth, and he got lit up, whoever he was. And it was just, people went home, and they were completely depressed because, man, we should have won that game, but we lost it. And if you're dealing with things from a minor league perspective, wins and losses really aren't the thing. What you're trying to figure out is, You're looking at the spectrum of the four games that are going on on that day. Who are the pitchers of those four that are the most important? How did those guys do? Did they represent well? What ends up happening in a minor league game quite often, you'll bring in the seventh or eighth best relief pitcher. He'll come in, possibly he's a guy who's just up from one level below, and they're giving him a look at the next level. And they're just checking to see, is this guy ready? Is he not ready? Whether he is, whether he isn't, isn't a huge concern. The goal is to see, is he developing to the point where he's probably ready for this level? So you bring him in. Pal, this is the seventh inning. It's your inning. Go get him. He comes out. He gives up. Four base runners and five batters. Well, he's got to come out, right? Probably. But the goal isn't to win the game in a minor league game. It's to develop players. So maybe he'll stay out a little bit longer. And maybe if he indicates that he's not ready, then he goes back to the other level. But at the minor league level, you're trying to find out how good is this guy. That's the mindset. That's the question. College is more about we have to win this game. In college, the coach retains his job by winning games. The coach retains his job by winning games, and he wins games, sometimes by calling the pitches so that his catcher and his pitcher don't end up calling the wrong pitch with two outs and two on in the eighth inning, and a guy doubles in the winning run. The manager would rather the loss go to him for pitching the wrong pitch instead of the catcher and the pitcher for making the wrong pitch and trying to develop along the way to being a better pitcher-catcher tandem. So college is a lot more like the pros, a, a, a lot more like Major League Baseball in that the win is really important. Now, if you're watching minor, uh, if you're watching college baseball, From a minor league perspective, again, you're really not all that interested in, oh my goodness, did we win or did we lose? That's the important thing. No, from a minor league perspective, that really isn't the important thing. From a minor league perspective, if you're watching college baseball from a minor league perspective, you're watching, you're trying to figure out of the games that are available for you, What game makes the most sense to watch? At least that's how I end up doing it. Because I'm trying to get a full bride, broad, not not bride, wad, broad, wide spectrum view of everything. As best as I can. But that's not necessarily what you have to do when I end up talking about the draft and how it's important to know about this team and this other guy and uh, the... This guy could be coming up with the 42nd pick, and you might want to know about him and all this kind of stuff. That's something that I have to be able to do. I have to be conversant in 
the draft to the 5th or 10th or 12th or 17th round. But if you're trying to just get a foothold on college baseball, just a little tiny bit, what makes the most sense for you is to follow one team. Just pick a team. Whoever is the team. It really doesn't matter. You want to pick a team that's going to be kind of good because you don't want to end up following a team. I remember there was someone, I think it was Al, who uh, he, he was trying to play along with the recommendation I was giving to people. Pick a team to follow because if you have a team you're following, then you're more interested in keeping your attention span going for a longer period of time. So, you know, it, it would be kind of like the person who follows Duke in college basketball because Duke always wins or follows the NBA team that has LeBron James because LeBron James is really good and they want to follow his team because his team is usually going to be pretty good. Okay, so that's the basic premise on that. So if you're watching college baseball, just to get a basic understanding of what college baseball is, because it's not like Major League Baseball. It's not like Minor League Baseball. College baseball is like college baseball. There's no direct transference. So the best way to do it with college baseball is to pick a team. Maybe you, once upon a time, were on a vacation and you were happening through Carolina, North Carolina, and you needed to stop for gas. And you pulled over and you stopped at a gas station. And the gas station that you ended up stopping at was right across the street from the Chapel Hill campus. It's like, dude, that's Chapel Hill right there. Michael Jordan played there. James Worthy played there, etc., etc., etc. I was right across the street from North Carolina. I was in Chapel Hill. Dude, I should probably follow North Carolina because I was in Chapel Hill that one time. Cool, do that. Whichever team works best for you, follow them. For a while, I had a fancy for moving to either Knoxville, Tennessee, or Louisville, Kentucky. Either one of them. Didn't work out. But I was interested in considering moving to either Knoxville or Louisville. Either one. I didn't, but either Tennessee, which is in Knoxville, or Louisville, which is in Louisville, I kind of have an interest in those two schools. I have no direct connection to them. But, you know, when I was down in Louisville, we... Or when I was down in Tennessee, we did the old loop around the campus area and drove by the uh, baseball stadium. So I was like, by there. So, uh, you know, if I were not doing what I'm doing, I'd pick either Louisville or Tennessee and they'd be my team. They'd be my squad. I'd follow them, follow their baseball team like a person who's a football fan of a certain college football team or a basketball fan of a certain college basketball team or whatever, I could follow either Knoxville, either Louisville's baseball team or Tennessee's baseball team or possibly both of them. 
because I don't really have a preference. They're not in the same conference. Uh, they're both good enough schools. They both have talent. And it makes sense. It, 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 if I didn't have something else, either one of those schools, I could back them. I could root for them. And what ends up happening is so many people from the North, especially people from the North, no, I don't want to commit to a college baseball team because, for one thing, all the schools that are good at playing baseball are nowhere near people in the North. They're just not. You have Michigan, who's good at baseball. Uh, Washington and Oregon. Uh, Washington and Oregon and Oregon State, those are good. but And those are in the North, but they're so far out West, they hardly even count as North. Um probably some of the teams with football going away who knows they might get rid of their baseball programs because of it but uh if you have a college base a college team a college school that you're kind of interested in follow their baseball team now i wouldn't recommend northern illinois and as in Al's case, I wouldn't recommend Northwestern because if you're pot committing to a school and after three weeks you look at the wins and losses and you're 2-12, and 12, it's real easy to say, yeah, I'm not going to follow the team much this year. We all know how that works. When your team is just horrible, you're not going to follow them. There's no reason in pot committing to a team that's going to be garbage, which is why it's kind of important to pick a team that makes sense. Now, I, I got a couple minutes here. What I'm going to do is imagine you've decided you're going to pick a squad. And let's say I was talking about Louisville. I was talking about Tennessee. How about you decide you're going to take one of the Texas schools? Let's say you choose either TCU or Texas A&M. Either one of them. Uh, TCU is in the... Is that the one that's in the SEC? One of them is in the SEC. One of them is in the Big 12. So they're in different conferences. Both of them are very good baseball schools. Either one of them would make perfect sense, Texas A&M or TCU, to follow. Pretty much any of the Texas schools are worth following. A whole bunch of the Louisville schools, or the Louisiana schools, are worth following as well. So, let's say you take Texas A&M. You're going to be Aggies Nation. All right. Now, you're going to start following Texas A&M college baseball from a I-want-to-know-what-the-heck's-going-on-in-the-June draft. You're following Texas A&M so you understand what's going on in the draft come June. Now, I'm going to warn you, the first year, it's all going to be way over your head. It's just going to make no sense. You're going to get confused, and you're going to make some mistakes, and you're going to think, I'm wasting my time. But then the second year, when you go back and do the whole thing again, you're going to start to remember some names. Remember how I was talking about how you hear the name the first time, it makes absolutely no sense. You hear it the fourth time, 
wait a minute, I've heard that a couple times before. Okay, I'm not so completely lost on that. Then by the time you hear it the sixth time, it's like, oh yeah, he's that guy who started last year. And he was on that team. We kicked their butt, but he did really well against us. Then we hear the guy's the name the guy's name the tenth time. Oh, he's going in the fourth round. You can get smart on things really quick if you limit your scope. So what you're gonna want to do if you're gonna follow a college baseball team, and I strongly recommend it. I just completely strongly recommend it. All it takes is five or ten minutes a week. And you can understand the basics on who are your best pitchers? Who's going to be your outfield? Is your catcher any good? Is your or How's your recruiting? Are you guys doing anything as far as recruiting? Are you better than average? Are you probably going to make the field a 64? Do you have a shot at making Omaha? And it's all good if some of the answers are yes. It's all good if some of the answers are no. You want to back a team that's actually competent, capable, and has a chance at doing well. For instance, some of the people on my Twitter feed or my Facebook feed or the ones I talked to on Bleed Cubby Blue about uh, the draft, they're in the old uh, was it, I-74 area where you have Bloomington leading down to Champaign and Bloomington also leads over to Peoria. Now, Peoria to Champaign isn't quite so direct of a route, but you can get from Peoria to Bloomington really easily, and you can get from Bloomington to Champaign really easily. So if you're in that little triangle of you're somewhere between Bloomington, Champaign, and Peoria, you're somewhere in between there, you've got a game that you can go to any Friday night that you want to go, all you have to do is be slightly conversant on three different college baseball teams. You don't have to be a whiz. You don't have to have complete knowledge of everything. What you have to know, if you have three teams that you're kind of following, who's the dude that's good? Let's say a certain year, Illinois State has a really good shortstop. I think that was last year. Illinois State had a really good shortstop. How's he doing? You know, well, they're talking. He might go in the sixth round. Okay, cool. How's he doing? Well, he's got a 50-hit tool. No, no, no. How's he doing? Well, the team's six games over 500. No, how's he doing? Well, what do you mean? How, how is he? Is he fielding well? Is he hitting well? If the dude's a pitcher, is he getting people out? Learn about the guys on the team that you're following, or the teams that you're following, who's actually good? Who's actually good? Who's the guy that hits third? Who's the guy that hits fourth? Maybe the guy on the team that's really good is the leadoff batter. Maybe you have a catcher who, he only hits sixth or seventh, but occasionally hits for power, and he does a really nice job of blocking pitches in the dirt, and he calls a really good game. Find out who the guys that are that are good. And before the major league season starts, either commit to listening to one game from one of the team from the team that you're following, or if you if you're in the I-74 triangle, figure out which team's doing the best. Follow them. 
if Illinois is having a good year, follow the heck out of them. If if ISU and Bloomington's doing really well, follow them. And the important thing, though, is Bloomington and uh, ISU and Bradley are in the same conference. They're in the Missouri Valley Conference. Now, this is really kind of convenient. It's kind of a bit timely, and it's almost cheating. I just thought of it now. Illinois State and Bradley are in the Missouri Valley Conference. So is Dallas Baptist. Okay, now what's Dallas Baptist got to do with two schools in Illinois? Nothing, right? Well, remember how the Cubs drafted Burl Carraway? I call him Osley. His name, his given name is Osley Carraway, and he goes by the nickname Burl on the field. I call him Osley because who else is named Osley? Really, who else is named Osley? If I if I start talking about Osley, I'm talking about Carraway because who else is Osley? That's a unonym. But there's a guy who Mason McRae, who I talked about, is he today or uh, this podcast or the last one? Mason McRae is a dude who he absolutely knows his stuff for college. In a recent article, I was talking a bit about Burl Carraway and how in one of his relief outings, he did really well. I think he got five outs, struck out four people, allowed no hits, no walks against North Carolina. That's a pretty good outing, isn't it? You're up against North Carolina and you uh, do inning and two-thirds of scoreless, hitless baseball. Don't give up uh, any walks. You strike out four of the five guys that you retire. That's a pretty good day, isn't it? Well, Carolina that day wasn't hitting anybody. It's not a knock against Carraway. The starting pitcher, who had pitched the first seven innings, wasn't particularly effective over the course of the entire season for Dallas Baptist. But in that game against North Carolina, he was absolutely nails. He went seven innings, one hit, one walk, ten strikeouts, no runs, none earned. And, you know, obviously a fantastic game. I looked at his, at his season numbers, had four starts, had an ERA of over 4.7. Well, how, how, why did he do so good against North Carolina if he's not any good? So I was asking Mason McRae, you know anything about this dude? I'm not remembering what his name is right now. But uh, if anybody asks me, calls me on the contest line, I'll let him know what the guy's name is. But uh, I was asking Mason McRae, do you know anything about this pitcher for Dallas Baptist? I don't. Completely, you know, all the homework I've done. I didn't listen to any Dallas Baptist games last year. Totally wasn't prepared for Burl Carraway. I didn't know this starting pitcher at all, so I asked Mason McRae. He knows stuff. He's done better homework than I have. He watches videotape of stuff, and he's really good at this stuff. So I asked him, hey, you know anything about this guy? And he went through a thumbprint of him and said, yeah, he's actually good. Actually, I like him better than I like Burl Carraway. Okay. Well, Burl Carraway is with Dallas Baptist. Dallas Baptist is in the same conference as Bradley and Illinois State. What that says to me is probably... This guy who pitched really well, his numbers weren't very good, but Mason McRae says he's a really good pitcher and is probably better than Burl Carraway. Um, 
he's probably going to be starting on a Friday night in 2021 in either Bloomington or Bradley, Bradley or Illinois State. If you've decided you're going to follow Illinois State or Bradley, Dallas Betts might be coming to you guys' house. That'd be a good game to go watch. Go watch the Friday night game. Take notes. When you're following a college baseball team, not because you're a fanboy of the school, but because you're following the team so you can educate yourself better on the entire concept of the draft. For instance, that would be like the person who, jumping back to the Kennedy assassination, decides whether they think that the official position makes sense or the official position doesn't make sense, if you're going to be more conversant in the topic, you want to be able to discuss the um, entry wounds, the bullet entry wounds, and the bullet entry, the whether something was an entry wound or a, um, the bullet was heading through the other direction. You want to know these things because people on the other side or people on your side are going to expect you to have done at least a bit of homework. Otherwise, you're going to sound like a damn fool. If you're following college baseball because you want to have some basic sort of awareness, take just a little tiny bite. Pick Bradley. Pick Illinois State. Pick Illinois. Pick Southern Illinois. Pick one of the Texas schools. Take Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Take a school you've heard of. Take a school that you're kind of interested in and just take one year to... How good is our team? Or how good is that team? You're not married to that team forever. You're following them because you want to learn, how's this stuff work? How do I know who's any good? If you're completely unaware of the college baseball, how it turns into minor league baseball and eventually major league baseball, well, first off, there's a whole lot of people in that same boat and they're not interested in educating themselves. But if you decide, you know what? I want to educate myself on this topic. So at least in a couple years, maybe three years, I can at least have a decent conversation and have some awareness of, oh yeah, I remember seeing that guy last year. When, he came to, when, he, when they came to play at our school last year, we did those guys pretty much dirty. We took two out of three. It would have been three out of three, except he had a really good game the one day. And See, now you have information. You have awareness. You know what's going on. If you have a team you're following, whichever team it is, and again, if you're married to a specific school, that's fine. But if you decide, I'm going to follow Georgia Tech, in 2021, because they seem like they'd be a good team to follow for 2021. Okay, that's cool. Who's their catcher? Who's their best hitter? Who's going to be their leadoff man? Who's going to be their Friday night guy? Understand the college basics. 
And if you're following to understand, if you're following to learn, pay attention to the players on the other team. Don't think us against them. Think there's the team I'm familiar with and there's the team that's coming in that I'm not familiar with. So let's say you've done your five minutes of homework every week and when when February rolls around and we're into March, you got a fairly decent handle on your team. Your, t- your team's played, oh, four or five weeks of ball. And you, you know who your top three starters are. And there's uh, the Friday night guy you're pretty good with. The Sunday guy is inconsistent, but he's got a lot of upside. The Saturday guy, it, after a while, you learn these things. And one of the reasons people don't like to follow college baseball I'm learning this from my dad in regards to something entirely different. People, a lot of times, don't want to learn new things. For instance, musically. Do you want to listen to the same music you've always listened to? Or do you want to discover new artists that three or four weeks ago you were completely unfamiliar with. There's no one particular way that is correct. There's an upside in being aware of new things. There's a couple of artists that I've run into here recently that are interesting, and then there are some artists I've run into recently that are kind of schlock. You get both. But if there's someone who you run into that, hmm, I wasn't familiar with them, but I probably should have been, then take the opportunity to learn. It's kind of like with the college baseball thing. Pick a team, whoever it is. It's not important which squad you take. It You're not going to be getting an 87% grade if they make it to the NCAA tournament and get eliminated in the regional round, but you get a 92% if they're better than that. No, it's not how, that's not how it works. If you're doing something to learn, learn from it. And if it ends up being a situation where like, we go with Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech would be a decent decent call because they have, um, usually you can pick their games up on the ACC network, which is reasonably accessible. I think I can get that on my cable, on, on, on my um, on my ESPN on my computer. So I can watch games on the ACC network. I can't get games on the SEC network. So... Let, let's say you decide, okay, I'm going to follow Georgia Tech this year. And it turns out, as the season goes along, for whatever reason, you don't like the announcers. You just don't like them, for whatever reason. And as the season goes along, you know, I really don't like their color scheme either. And I've heard enough things that this one dude who, either he's a coach or he's a player or he's a whatever... He's kind of a dick. 
I don't know if that would be applicable with Georgia Tech. I don't follow them that carefully. But if you end up having a situation where the guy that's coming back next year and he's going to be starting next year, he's kind of a dick and he's going to be batting third and he's going to be the guy that everybody's going to be promoting. And I don't like the announcers and I don't... Don't follow him. Don't follow him. You're not married to the damn team. If you want to be conversant in the draft, it shouldn't be that intimidating. Pick a team. Who it is doesn't matter. You're probably better off if they're a top half of the, you know, you'd probably want a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. But if you end up picking a team that's supposed to make the NCAA tournament and you don't, it's not a huge thing. What you're trying to do is learn how fast do college pitchers throw. That's actually a kind of important question. No, I'm, I'm as velocity agnostic as anything. I, I really don't much care if a guy's throwing 91 to 93. If he gets outs, I'm good with him. So if I say 91 to 93, this guy throws 91 to 93. Perhaps when you hear he throws 91 to 93... That means, oh man, he's a soft tosser. He's terrible. He's never going to be a major league pitcher. Well, there's a whole lot of people that aren't going to be major league pitchers. But if they're not going to be major league pitchers, it's probably not because they're only throwing 91 to 93. It's probably because they can't get hitters out. So it's, if you're following college baseball to learn more about how college bleeds into the minor leagues and how that leads into the major leagues, it's entirely different than, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and buy a whole bunch of orange and blue attire because I'm going to be going to games and painting myself team colors and screaming and trying to get myself on national TV. If that's what you want to do. Hey, cool, great, go ahead, do it. That's all good as well. But if you're trying to follow college baseball so you can have a better understanding of how it all works, whether you're a huge fan or whether the team gets to the gets to Omaha in the next two years isn't really that important. Pick a team and kind of learn how that team does things. Do they bunt a lot? Do they have a whole lot of power hitters on the team? Maybe they'll go through an entire 64-game season and only hit 25 home runs. That's okay. What you're trying to do is follow to learn, to understand, to be more conversant. If you follow college baseball for a season and you decide, you know what, I kind of like these announcers. I'm kind of getting used to them a little bit. I think I'll follow the same team the next year, whatever team it is. Maybe it's Georgia Tech. Maybe it's UCLA. Maybe it's Texas A&M. Maybe it's ISU. Maybe it's SIU Carbondale, maybe it's SIU Edwardsville, whatever team it is that works for you, follow them and have an awareness. And when the other team comes in for the series, if it's a case of you lose a really tight game, it's not a case of, oh man, we lost a game and we should have, no, 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 no. Okay, you lost a game. Why? 
who was the player on the other team that did really well that caused you guys to lose. Remember his name. If a guy's good enough to beat up on a good team, he probably deserves to be a professional. It's completely legitimate to say, for instance, if you're following Georgia Tech, as following Georgia Tech, in the third week of the season, we're just getting ready for ACC play to start, but the third game of the season, we played against Georgia State at home. And Georgia State came in and kicked our butt two out of three games. Now you can say, oh, geez, that was horrible. We lost two of three games. But that's if you're looking at it as a fan. If you're looking at it as a student, as a person who's trying to learn some stuff, who's the guy in Georgia Tech that, or who's the guy in Georgia State that caused you guys to lose a game? Did they have a really good pitcher going in one of the games and he like four hit you and they beat you seven to one? If so, who's the dude who, who shut you down? What was his repertoire? What was he getting you guys out with? That's the thing that you try to remember. If you're trying to follow things as a student, when something makes sense, grab onto it. Gee, this guy was really good. Cool. He's really good. Remember his name. When you play him the next time, remember, wow, that's the guy who kicked our butt last year. Or maybe, here's the real fun part. Wow, I was following this guy at Georgia State and they kicked our butts. And Well, sure enough, seventh round, come June, stinking Tampa Bay drafted him. I was listening to that guy. He sounded really good. Other people were saying, nah, he ain't that much. He's a, he's only then. Tampa Bay drafted him in the seventh round. Tampa Bay thinks he's worth a seventh round draft pick. He's probably pretty good. Now, you know what? You have information. Information can't be stolen from you. If you know something, if you learn something, if you've listened to someone who's a lot smarter than you are, and based on what they've told you, you've understood that, hey, this player that plays for that other team that I'm not cheering for, he's kind of good. That's what's called learning. You don't have to spend 10,000 hours to be conversant on a topic. The 10,000 hours is being is about being an expert. I'm not going to be an expert. I'm better than some people at this as far as I recognize names. I try to recognize trends as they're developing. And when names get mentioned as far as this guy gets drafted in the fourth round. There's a lot of times where I say, I kind of recognize that guy's name. I don't remember where I heard it from. But if I'm remembering the name, I heard it from somewhere. 
I must have been doing some kind of homework somewhere. Maybe I was listening to a game or that he was playing in, or maybe somebody was talking about, remember that last weekend game where that guy hit the two-run homer right at the end of the game? That's called gathering information. That's called getting more intelligent on a topic. Each year, you come back to college baseball. Some of the information sticks. Not all of it. Every year, you're going to have to learn some new names because freshmen are coming in. Guys are coming in from junior colleges that you didn't follow. Maybe a guy that struggled last year moved on from the school that you're following and now he's at a junior college or something. There there will be turnover every year and it won't be I'm remembering the same guys as last year. It will be different. But when you train your mind to I'm not pot committed to every player that's always been on the roster, I'm interested in the guys that I'm interested in I want to learn information on other players. That's how you start getting more conversant in a topic. You don't have to be completely aware of every team and every player in every conference to know something about college baseball. To know something about college baseball, pick a team. Just pick a team. Doesn't matter who it is. Try to find a team that's kind of good. If you want to follow Florida, great. You're going to have an awesome pitching staff. Absolutely awesome pitching staff. Probably every year for the next four or five years. And it'll be great for you. But whoever the team is, pick a team. Tell me who their pitching coach is. Tell me who two of the three likely weekend starters will be for next year. Do five minutes of research next week and tell me what's the name of the stadium they play in. Who do they play the first? You're not going to be able to tell me who they played, who they're going to play the first week of the season because the schedule's not out yet. What's the park name of the park that they play in? Who's your team's pitching coach? And who's your leading returning innings guy from last season? Tell me that. Let me know that. And you've done a whole lot more homework than a lot of people have done. And you can figure that stuff out in four minutes. Four minutes you can have done a whole lot more homework than anybody else has done on your team. You'll be in the fourth, 95th percentile of people by doing four minutes of homework. So college baseball doesn't have to be intimidating. The draft doesn't have to be intimidating. Try to learn something about one of the college baseball teams and be conversant on that team for next year. College baseball and the draft don't have to be as intimidating as they appear. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast as situation as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to make sure that it's the next one is worth your time as well. I'm really tired. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.